international law conflicts with the Islamic law, what will our stance be as true Muslims? Please clarify in the context of the 2000 Act of Parliament. Jazakallah khair. Okay, I hope you don't expect me to be familiar with the 2000 Act of Parliament. But the, <laughs> uh, basically, as the Prophet has told us, and we, there's no obedience to the created if it involves disobedience to the Creator. So therefore, if there's any, any laws uh, that are passed that violate the Sharia, in particular those laws uh, that are preventing us from doing what we are supposed to do as a Muslim, then obviously we do not obey them. And we find any means that we can to avo avoid obeying them. Uh, if there's any law, for example, that restrict us concerning something that is permissible for us in our Sharia, then it might be a different issue in the sense that if we can avoid it easily, if we can avoid it easily, then we avoid it. And so therefore we don't get ourselves in any trouble here. And the Sharia is it's neutral with respect to that. But in, in, in essence, the basic point is, if there's any law asking any Muslim to do something which goes against the Sharia, then he does not obey that law. Um, it says here, I believe the only way to ensure Islamic human rights is, is through an Islamic state. Is this correct? Please explain the relationship between Islamic human rights and the Khalifa. Yeah, of course, the, the Islamic human rights, which are the, basically the, all the rights laid out in the Sharia, you will not be able to find them, you will not find them implemented unless the Sharia is implemented. And in general, you will not find the Sharia implemented unless there is an Islamic state. So therefore, and we, are, we as Muslims even were not able to implement all of these things because of the fact that we don't have the, the Islamic state. However, at the same time, we should try to implement all of them and support all of them and, and stand for all of them that we can given the situation that we are facing. So in other words, just because we don't have the Islamic State in which the whole Sharia is being implemented, we, are do, we do our best to implement as much of the Sharia as we can as ourselves in our communities and we do our best to try to support any further implementation of the Sharia given the powers or the strength that we have. Okay, just someone's just asking uh, about any good books on this topic, human rights in Islam. Uh, there are there are some books, some I would not recommend. <laughs> uh, now there there are a couple of books. One is by uh, Al Aqil. I forget. I think Sheikh Abdurrahman Al Aqil. Uh, it's 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 more of a book that discusses the Western concept of, of human rights and then discusses the Islamic concept and then discusses a number of the rights within Islam and then answers those objections to the Islamic law uh, and the implementation of the Islamic law. And that's by Abdurrahman Al-Aqil, but I, don't, I, I, think, I think the name of the book is called Human Rights in Islam. It has been published before and there's a new edition coming out, inshallah, uh, it's both in English and Arabic. There's a new edition coming out by the Institute uh, in Virginia, the Institute of Islamic and Arabic Studies in America. We've got a few. We've got a few questions. Um, now I only take questions that are related to the topic. It's, you know that, yeah, it's you? on the topic. Okay. <laughs> Can you highlight uh, 
that Western thoughts is often presented as international laws, such as the UN International Human Rights. Yes, but uh, the question here says that Western thought is often presented as international laws. Well, the problem is uh, that they have been able to convince the other countries of the world to pass these laws. You know, for example, the, the declaration in 1948. Now, granted, a number of, of Muslim countries that exist now weren't even countries at that time, like Algeria and others. And many of the others were newly independent. And in many times, the, the rulers were basically just replacing the colonialists. They were the same as the colonialists, but they were now from the local, local area. <laughs> so they, they signed those uh, declarations. Now, actually, the one in 1948, there was a difference of opinion about what was its legal effect. As soon as the Soviet Union signed it, they said, well, actually, these are all just recommendations anyway, and they're not law. <laughs> so the, the, the one that was ratified, the two that were ratified in 1966 and went into law in 1976, uh, these, again, they're presented mostly from the West, but the other people signed it. Now, not all the countries have signed the, uh, the Declaration of, of Civil and Political Rights and the other one of 1966. Those countries who have not signed it, they cannot be held responsible to, for it. But uh, to date, I think something like 140 countries have, have signed it. So the problem is not, they're not saying this is Western thought, let's make it international law and force everyone to accept it. But they are taking their Western thought and presenting it in international bodies and the people are signing it. And once they sign it, then it becomes international law. Okay, this question says, uh, why is there a constant attack on the Taliban about, uh, about them violating human rights? Are the Taliban following the Quran and the Sunnah? May I? I mean, if you, you just heard the lecture on human rights, right? <laughs> So you have an idea what perspective they're coming from. You know, you, draw, you, you destroy an idol, violating human rights. <laughs> you, know? you say the Qur'an says that the women have to wear hijab, violating human rights. Okay? So that's why they're, they're coming from a perspective that you have human rights, and all religions and all laws have to be subjugated to it. And of course, Afghanistan had signed those earlier declarations. So they have them, kind of, in a sense, because they don't recognize the fact that if you change the government and then you say, well, we change the government and our religion says this, they don't recognize that. That's not a valid argument in, in, uh, in, uh, in international law. So, I mean, why they're constantly attacking them, it's obvious. The same for the Sudan. You know, why are they boycotting them? Why are they uh, putting so much uh, restrictions on them? It's obvious. Because they are applying Islam. Islam... Uh, violates what they consider human rights, and as we said, they're actually human rights are not based on anything really. About the, the total aspect of the Taliban and how much they're applying the Quran and Sunnah, I don't have probably enough information about them. I have not really studied them uh, in great detail to, to answer that question. Is it permissible or advisable for Muslims to seek to establish the Sharia by means of democracy, i.e. participation in elections as an Islamic party? If not, what are the alternatives? 
Well, I'll be, I'll be kind of very blunt on this, uh, <laughs> on this question. And that is, my personal view is if you seek to establish the Sharia through democratic means, uh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work because uh, the powers that be, as they're called, are not going to stand for it. I mean, we saw it in Algeria. You know, you know the Muslims could win an election, you know, 99.9%, you know, just like the Egyptian president every time. And, and, you know, the next day, all of a sudden, there's a military takeover. Gee, how did that happen? What a surprise. You know, the, don't really expect too much. But the problem is that the, what, really, what we really need is the masses, the Muslim masses as a whole, and they need to develop their Islam, need to develop their faith. So that any, a group, a small group of them, or any, any kind of outside influence cannot just come in and destroy what they have established. If the Muslims are strong, they will stand up for the Sharia. And even if people, for example, wanted to make riba halal, even if people wanted to distribute pornography or whatever, the Muslims themselves would not stand up for it. They would not accept it. Every Muslim society you see now, the Muslims themselves are accepting it. You know, even if they call it an Islamic state, and even if Muslims have taken some form of power, when these evil forces come in and spread these things, the Muslims, you know, not all of them obviously, but the Muslims accept it. And that is our basic problem right now. Until we change that, and we're not willing to accept anything except what Islam uh, permits, then inshallah we'll be implementing the Sharia and not bowing down to any other uh, force or power. Okay, um, brothers and sisters, we'll have to end the question session there. Can you please keep seated, because there's some uh, important announcements to be made. Just keep... Keep seated, please. Zakwa. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Uh, can I first of all remind any brothers and sisters who have not registered that we do need.